Welcome to Leap Listens, the employer branding podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm joined by my co-host Roger. Hello. Leap Listens is brought to you by Leap Create, a dynamic people communications agency. Today we're joined by Bradley DePaolo. Brad is an enthusiastic entrepreneur, podcaster and disruptor in recruitment. With 20 years in sales, marketing and HR, Brad aims to revolutionise how companies attract and convert top talent. Drawing inspiration from his experience and conversations with HR leaders, Brad envisions merging e-commerce's personalised online shopping experiences with recruitment. He's won sales awards, been nominated as an innovative HR leader and held diverse marketing roles. Welcome to the podcast, Brad. Thank you. It's, uh, it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's exciting to be here. I'm, I'm very excited to, to join you guys today. Excellent. Excellent. So, Brad, tell us about you and your career in recruitment marketing. So... I, my career goes back 20 years. Um, I started in sort of retail sales, uh, just always had a passion for sales and marketing, uh, doing consulting and stuff. I was always kind of doing some sales and marketing way back in the day was the co-chair of the marketing committee for a big HR conference. And I, I spent about six years just prior to the pandemic in an agency world. And I, they just knew that something wasn't right. Like just something felt off and broken. And I just kept thinking there has to be a better way. So I spent most of 2019 really studying recruitment marketing and, and how we go about it in Atlantic Canada. It's not really something that's big and talked about a lot. So, you know, I, I studied some of the great companies across the globe, more so across the pond. And, and when the pandemic hit, it just, kind of gave me a chance to step back and talk to recruiters and say, you know, what is it that you really want? What, what is it that we need to be successful? And overwhelmingly, they just kept saying, I want, you know, qualified candidates in my inbox every day. And, and, uh, so, you know, my first reaction was, well, I just want a million dollars. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I, then when I got studying how we do this for salespeople, cause we do this for salespeople every day, we give them leads every day, you know, it, it, kind of just hit and click that, you know, marketing and e-commerce style marketing and marketing automation and lead scoring and all of that stuff that we do in the sales world really has a home and, and needs to come to the table in, in recruitment. Great. Right. You do, I mean, well, describe a little bit about what it is that you, you actually do. Yeah, so I'm the CEO of a company called Candidate Hub, which is a candidate engagement platform. So our vision is to sort of sit in between the CRM and the ATS and be sort of the engagement and communication tool. And we really want to revolutionize the way that we engage with candidates online. We are taking that e-commerce style approach to recruitment and pairing that up with B2B lead scoring so that we can tell recruiters which candidates are most engaged. We can respond to candidates when they are ready to be responded to with triggered emails, triggered marketing messages, triggered texts. You know, I say it over and over again, if Amazon can personalize buying duct tape, you know, they Amazon tells us what to buy and when to buy it. You know, surely we can do a better job personalizing the the job search for candidates because candidates today are no longer job hunters. They're job shoppers. And so we need to treat them that way. And we need to cater to them with a personalized experience that gets them excited about wanting to work for us. Cause if we can tailor that experience in the first part of the relationship, 
we're going to have a much better, much stronger relationship down the road. Yeah, I'm guessing that that means that the data that you get from ATS is is, is crucial to that information. Well, it, it blows my mind, actually, that, you know, if we were running marketing campaigns for organizations on the sales side, and once we finished the campaign, you know, we converted 10% of the customers or the leads that came to us, and we took that other 10% and just said, okay, well, they didn't buy from us this time, so they're no good, and threw them out and then went and started trying to find new leads, you know, we'd all lose our jobs. Like marketing, the whole marketing department would be fired. But that's what we do every single time in recruitment. You know, we have these companies that are saying, I can't find candidates, I can't find candidates, I can't find candidates. Okay, well, how many candidates do you have in your database? Um, 60,000, 100,000, a million candidates. In my, I've talked to one company that's got 6 million candidates in their database. I'm like, those are all people that have shown interest in your company they were, you know, I you'd ha even if it's just 10% of those, that's 600,000 candidates that were silver medalists at the finish line. You could have offered them a job, but you offered somebody else, or maybe they turned it down at the time that you've just thrown out like it, all that money you spent getting those candidates and, and you throw them out until you happen to buy them again. And then they apply for a new job and then you go back down the process. So, you know, we want to take that data, all of those candidates, all of those silver medalists that are in the applicant tracking system or in the recruitment database, whatever it might be, and put them through marketing campaigns, personalize the outreach to them, keep them engaged so that when we need them again, they're ready. I mean, they may not be qualified today, but two years from now, they might be. You know, maybe they got the experience that they were lacking. Um, and so we want to go back and, and visit that conversation over again because now they're ready. But the only way I'll know that with today's process and tools is to buy that data again. And what I mean by that is I'm doing marketing campaigns, uh, you know, trying to attract them to my job or I'm paying my recruiters to go out and find people and sourcing them. And that's all costing money to get data that I already own. It's so true. Like you said, we really do need to start treating, you know, the talent community mm -hmm. and candidates like we do customers. And it is so far behind. And I think a lot of that is down to the ATS and legacy systems that organizations do have. And we spoke to, to Ryan Hemant in series two of our podcast, and he was saying it'd be great if, you know, as your candidate experience was a bit like an Uber app where you could see exactly where you are and, and what you were doing with your, with your application. And bringing it sort of making it feel sort of much more up to date and modern, like you would expect from, you know, if you were dealing with a consumer brand, right? Well, Domino's, Domino's screwed everybody up with that. Like, I mean, I can order a pizza from Domino's and I know exactly when it went in the oven, yes. uh, who made it, yep. when, you know, like when <laughs> it's coming out of the oven, but, but I can't tell a candidate where they sit in the job search. Like it just blows my mind. Yeah. And it can take weeks, can't it? And a month, you know, you don't hear anything back at all, you know, and it's a, it's a terrible experience sometimes for candidates. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you believe, do you believe the Domino's app when it says that it's currently going into the oven? Do you think, is it actually real time? I believe it is. You know, I, I uh, in the few times that I, or I'm not a big Domino's fan, but uh, the few times that I've ordered from them, they, you know, like they say the pizza's ready and then you show up and it's there. I don't, yeah, I know, it might not be right down to the millisecond, but it's pretty close. And same with Uber, like 
You know, if I'm following the guy's car, it's a lot easier for Uber because they just put GPS on the car and I can follow it. But uh, yeah, it does work. Yeah, that's what the expectation is. You know, between those two sort of pieces of technology, there's there's got to be a way. Yeah. I wonder how much as well around this is about the psychology of for the job seeker when you don't get a job. I guess there is that sense of failure and, and maybe not revisiting a company. And I suppose there is, you know, that, that is the sort of idea is there is a little bit one and done, isn't there, that you, you know, you wouldn't almost try again. So do you find that that's a factor of what you're doing? Well, I think that's our own darn fault. Like if we treat somebody poorly during that process, then it is a one and done. Like we've burned our opportunity, but if we treat them well, uh, and they have a way better experience with us than they have with any other company that they're applying for jobs for, uh, you know, they're going to remember that. They're going to tell other people about that. Uh, not as many people as they will tell if you give them a shitty experience. They'll scream it from the skies. But, you know, they'll they'll tell people. They'll, they'll remember that. And if something else comes up, you reach out to them again, they're going to be a much happier candidate to recept that, to, to receive that, to to come back into the process then if you burn through them you don't tell them yeah uh, you know you i i heard a story of a ceo or a guy that applied for a ceo position was right down to the offer letter and they ghosted him for three months he accepted another job and then they came back to him with an offer letter like three months later like how do you do that to a ceo role and so like those types of experiences is going to put a negative it's the same as you know, uh, again, consumers, like if I go and I try to buy something from a store and, you know, it might not be the right time, or maybe I, I, you know, the, the sale just didn't work out for whatever reason or couldn't afford it or, uh, just whatever. Right. There, there could be a million reasons why I don't buy a product, but if I had a really good experience, next time I'm looking for a similar product, I'm going to go back to that store. But if I have a crappy experience, I'll never go there again. So, you know, I think that the same philosophy applies to recruitment. I, I think, I don't think it's a one and done with candidates. If we give them a really good, over the top, personalized Domino's app type experience, when, when we go back to them, they're going to be open to at least having a conversation with us. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, Brad, in your experience, what are the most effective strategies for using data? ATS data to make smarter hiring decisions? Well, that's a million dollar question right there. So <laughs> I, I think in the, in terms of recruitment, that's one of the most wasted pieces of our, our arsenal is the ATS data. Cause there's so much valuable data there. And the reason why candidate recruiters don't go back to the ATS is not on the recruiters. It's because the ATS data is out of date. It's hard to find. Try doing a search in an ATS for, you know, a licensed RN in Boston. It's like near impossible. So LinkedIn is more up to date. So that's where they go. Um, the best thing that you can do with your ATS data, if you don't do anything else, is just try to keep it up to date. And you do that by using some sort of email marketing automation tool or some sort of communication tool where you can pull that data out of your applicant tracking system and put them through just sort of nurturing campaigns just to kind of keep them engaged. And the key thing though, is you can't be just like people with talent pools in the past have always just been, I'm going to send 
all of uh, the jobs that we're hiring for this month and somebody will see it and be interested in it. Well, that's like, you know, I bought jeans for my son for Christmas one year and they had a discount code at the cash register, text this number and get 10% off. So of course I texted that number, but then three times a week, I would, from there on, I would get texts from this company saying 10% off jeans or 20% off jeans or whatever. I'm like, I'm not buying jeans right now. I don't want jeans right now. So I unsubscribe. It's the same thing with our talent pool. If we just keep shoving jobs down people's throats, you're going to turn them off and they're not going to be interested. But if we know sort of where they are in the process and if they're likely to be looking for a job right now, that's when we give them jobs. When they're just, they're happy, they're doing what they're doing. Um, they're just sort of in the early stages of potentially considering something new, then we want to feed them information that's going to help them. You know, if this company would have been sending me, you know, here's the latest fashion trends with jeans and here's things you can do with your old jeans and, mm. you know, articles and stuff like that, I probably would have stayed engaged with them. I probably wouldn't have unsubscribed, but just shoving sales conversion down my throat. I'm out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's education and before service rather than just keep pushing the, pushing the service. hundred percent. If you think of the funnel, like a sales funnel, the top of the funnel is all about the candidate. It's it's about them. You want to give to them content, tips on resume writing, webinars on, you know, if you're IT, you know, here's the latest webinar on the latest Ruby trends or this new language that's coming out. Here's a piece of content that we found that, you know, they're going to find entertaining. They're going to find educational and engaging. If you make it all about you or us too early in the process, you're going to turn them off. Yeah, that's really, it's very interesting. So you, you deal with ATSs and obviously extracting data from them. Often on this podcast, when we mention the word, that those three, three awful letters, letters ATS, um, it's, not all, yeah, <laughs> it's not always met massively favorably. And I think people definitely do have some struggles with their ATS system, whether that's integrating with careers websites or the ability to, to brand them in the way that they want to. Do you encounter those complaints, but also have any problems um, as a result of dealing with ATS systems? Yeah, absolutely. Some ATS systems are harder to integrate with than others. Workday is, is one of them. It's, it's a really tough ATS to integrate with. Phenom does not play well with others, but it's, yeah, the applicant tracking system really needs to focus on doing what it does best. Its focus should be once a candidate applies and bringing them through that process from application to rejection or hire. That's its job. It's only job. Trying to use the ATS for anything else is like trying to get a plumber to do your electrical work in your house. It's just, he might be able to do it, but is it going to be a good job? Who knows? And so really, I'm a big fan of having a tech stack and not an all-in-one solution that can do everything. So, you know, our focus is pulling the data out of the applicant tracking system, keeping it current and pushing it back so recruiters know who to talk to and when to talk to them. And your ATS should be from apply on. And one of the things that drives me crazy about ATSs is, and we see this way more in Canada than anywhere else is register to apply. Those those ATSs that force candidates to register to apply for a job uh, need to go. They need to get rid of that feature. 
I polled nurses because we do a lot of work in healthcare. So I polled nurses as to whether register to apply would de- deter them from actually applying for a job. And 70% said yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's incredible. So as job seekers have higher expectations from an employer, what are some of the creative ways that you found um, to make your like job postings more exciting and compelling? Well, like I said, check out uh, Voice. They do just that. They help you to, to make your job descriptions and your, your job ads. They integrate with your ATS, take out the keywords and make it more dynamic. There's also a tool called JobPixel, which does video and things like that. So, you know, when you're trying to attract candidates and, and make job descriptions and job ads more effective, Think about what attracts you online. You know, do you stop and read a long post on social media or are you going to stop and watch a video? Very few of us read those long, like you, you, you start reading it and your eyes glaze over and then you keep scrolling. But if it's a video, you ca- it catches your attention and you, you might watch it. So the more dynamic pictures, video, things like that on your career site. Uh, those are going to be much more effective. You know, I would, I would rather run a targeted video ad in faith on Facebook than pay indeed to post a job ad for me. You know, I mean, it's, I can go after the audience that I want on social media and I can create the type of content that I want on social media versus, you know, job boards. Yeah, sure. You know, post on job boards. It's good to be there. If you're going to use job boards, use programmatic advertising, but be creative on social and and use video and use things that are going to get people's attention. Words don't do it. Yeah. We find with the work that we do um, in social media um, that video works really well at the top of funnel. Mm. And actually it's static that works better when you're retargeting, interestingly enough. I think we're, we're, we're nearly at our time, actually, Brad, but we've got just a couple more questions for you. So one would be, you mentioned earlier that if companies were to do one thing with their ATS data, it would be to keep it up to date. Is there another couple of key points that you could give people to create that more personalized and seamless application process? Yeah, it's it's all about tracking, really. If you can track what candidates are doing on your site, on your social media content, I know you guys do a lot of work with social media, so I'm sure you've seen that, you know, if you can, when you really study the data and and see what's happening, what people are engaging with versus what people aren't engaging with, um, you know, you get much more value out of that, right? And you can be much more effective and much more efficient with your marketing. So for me, the, the number one thing, the first thing to start doing is, you know, taking that data out of your ATS and communicating with those candidates and tracking their engagement. So how many people are opening your email? Who's opening your email? What pages are they going to see? Are they watching videos on your career site? Are they engaging with your social content? You know, that tracking of engagement is crucial. If you can't track that engagement, figure out a way to do it because you cannot personalize your content until you know what your candidates are doing and what they're engaging with. That's the number one key starting point for me is, is, is that tracking and knowing, knowing what's going on. And Google Analytics will give you some information. If you have an MBA in Google Analytics and can figure it out, um, then 
go for it. Otherwise, you know, look at a marketing automation or, or candidate engagement tool to, to help you track and, and trigger responses to that email uh, or that engagement or, or whatever. If you can send the right email at the right time, you're going to get a much better response rate and get candidates through that funnel a lot faster. Brilliant. So thank you so much, Brad. That's the end of our conversation. But we have one more question for you, which we ask all of our guests. So currently, what are your top reads or listens? I don't do enough reading. One book that I really, really enjoyed in terms of recruitment marketing is Think Differently. It's a really good book. James Ellis has another good book on recruitment marketing. In terms of podcasts, I got to go to with my two top podcasts right now are the Recruitment Flex with Serge Boudreaux and, and Shelly Billinghurst. Love that podcast. And of course, Chad and Cheese. Who doesn't know about Chad and Cheese and who doesn't love Chad and Cheese? Uh, Chad Showash, Joel Cheeseman. So those are, those are probably my two top listens. Then there's a ton of other ones. Uh, I'm more into podcasts right now than books. I hate to say I need to read more. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Top tips. Thank you so much, Brad. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It was, a, it was a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more expert insights, check out our other bite-sized episodes. Perfect for micro learners and those with a short attention span, just like me. And if you're in employer branding and recruitment marketing, you might be interested in our monthly EB meetups. Just search EB Meetup on LinkedIn and join our community. For anything else, contact us via leapcreate.co.uk. See you next time.